Frighters, I'm Holland Elise, and this is Fight or Fright. Hello, Frighters, and welcome to Fight or Fright. Welcome, 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 welcome to Fight or Fright. I'm your spook spook Frighter guide, Holland, and Thank you for joining me for another episode of Fighter Freight. And please keep telling your friends because I love y'all and I love doing this and I would love for more people to hear this. And it really helps on Apple Podcasts if you rate and review and tell your friends. Word of mouth is some of the best advertising. So I have some brief start of podcast business stuff. Just again, I've talked about it before. They're not in a, this isn't an ad. They're not paying me for this, but I love my flare bracelet. It helps me feel safe. It has become one of the cutest staple accessories in my wardrobe. It notifies police and friends when something is wrong, or it also gives you a call with like a person's voice on the other end, prompting you with different things so that you can talk back to it. Like it's a It's just a really cool bracelet that helps me feel safe, especially with online dating. And also, I want to shout out the awesome YouTube channel that gave me a lot of the information for this episode. It's called Brief Case. It's crazy cool. Let me just say, it was an hour, it was hours worth of a true crime lover's dream of a rabbit hole. I love it. I wanted to shout it out. It's Fascination Station, y'all. I really enjoyed it. All right. So with all of that out of the way, let's get into this week's messed up, fucked up, crazy case of Oshi Sneed. And when I say fucked up, I mean like this poor girl didn't stand a chance with her fucked up childhood. Like seriously, this is a crazy case and I was shocked I had not heard of it before. This is a wibbly wobbly timey wimey kind of thing. So I got the info from that YouTube video on brief case and some Wikipedia and one other article. So you know, I did my best. I still think it's fascinating. I think it's so crazy, but I, was only able to find some things about this case. But it's interesting. Stick with me, y'all. So now, let's start from the very beginning. (laughs) But seriously, to really understand Oshi's life, let's talk about the family that she was born into. So the matriarch and patriarch, also Oshi's grandparents, were Martha and John Wardlaw. John Wardlaw was a minister and a South Carolina Supreme Court justice. And these these two, they had too many damn kids. They had four girls and two boys, which like, whew. I love kids. I want kids. They're so cute. I think they're awesome. But holy shit, I cannot imagine a world where I have six kids. Half the time, I don't even know how my parents handled three. (laughs) But in this family, Mary, Caroline, and Virginia were three of the daughters. And 
They were known to be kind of secretive, kind of to themselves, and they were also, they were a little odd together. But the Wardlaws were from a highly, highly prominent family. This family was made up of judges, lawyers, ministers, and just all-around people who were pillars of their communities. So now that we have a little bit of... Well, actually, so like I said, they had four girls and two boys. The four girls were Caroline, Mary, Virginia, and Bessie. The boys were John and Albert. So now that we got a little bit of Oshie's family history... Let's get into the poor victim of this horrible, sad, awful crime that happened. So Oshie was born Oceana Wardlaw Martin Sneed, which is a mouthful. She was born in September of 1885. Like I said, this is a case that's a little bit older. So all I could find was it was narrowed down to September 1885. And it was most likely in New York City that she was born. Her father was Robert Martin, and Robert Martin fought in the Civil War. He fought on the side of the Confederacy, and that's really what I found out about the parents and her being born. So her mom, Oshi, which I'm just going to go by Oshi because that was the nickname that most people referred to her as. So Oshi's mom was Caroline. Caroline was her mom. And Oshi had a brother who died, sadly, at the age of seven. His death was, it was actually sort of suspicious. And there was a life insurance policy on him. But because the family was so prominent, there really wasn't an investigation into the boy's death. And this insurance money that they got from the seven-year-old's death was used to buy a place in New York City. Oshi was young when they went to New York City, and she was young when her brother died, but she was also young when her father died. On the day of her father's death, neighbors heard a loud thud, thump type noise, and they went to check in on the family to see what was going on, if everything was okay, and they found a young Oshi crying. The neighbors would say that it seemed like Oshi wanted to say something, but when she was about to, Caroline just looked at her and said, remember, and Oshi became visibly distressed and ended up saying nothing. So obviously now it was Caroline and Oshi. These two were all that was left in that part of the family. So Caroline went to Tennessee with Oshi. She went to Tennessee because Mary and Virginia both worked at a prestigious girls' boarding school in Tennessee. The woman kept up the high standards of this institution, and from all accounts, the pupils thrived and went on to do well after they left this school. But then when her husband died, Caroline went to visit the sisters and Oshi came along. Virginia asked Caroline to stay with her and teach and be a part of the school. Many questioned this decision because Caroline was 
known to be erratic and unreliable, putting it, just putting it mildly. So once they went there and Caroline accepted a position teaching, working at the school, Oshi went to the boarding school and was a pupil there. But Caroline did okay for a short amount of time. Then she began to change the curriculum. She put padlocks on the outsides of the doors, and her behavior seemed to have an effect on the sisters, too. Before Caroline, the two sisters were great, and they were successful and well-liked at the school, but they became just as violent as Caroline eventually did. Well, um, emotionally violent and emotionally traumatizing these poor kids. So less pupils ended up enrolling in the school as the reputation of this school was shattered. The people that were that owned and were in charge of this boarding school had no choice but to let these women go. They needed to begin to repair the reputation of this school and get the get the numbers back up and make it the institution that it was before Caroline got there. And so after this, the woman went to another school in the South and they worked there. The reason they were able to swing this was mostly because their brother worked there and pulled some strings. There was reluctance, but he did it and he ended up helping them. But again, Caroline was fired. Even though Caroline was fired, something came out of this. Mary Sneed had two sons and these sons, they each married a sister. So it was one big happy family, but on One of Mary's sons was named Fletcher. Fletcher was married with a child, but he went to visit his mom and ended up meeting his cousin, Oshi. I mean, they were first cousins, so they'd probably met before, but this would have been the first time that he saw her more grown up and more woman-like, which, ugh. But anyway, they're, they're cousins, as I said, first cousins, and... They, they got together. I mean, it might not be as bad as Cersei and Jaime Lannister, but still, ugh, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Mm. Fletcher basically left his wife and kid, gave them no money, and just, they never heard from him again. But Oshi and Fletcher had to marry in secret because the, not the whole family was on board with this union. I mean, I'm guessing that prominent families did not look highly on kissing cousins so you know but this ceremony quote unquote was in louisville kentucky in 1906 anyway the family changed their tune on the union of fletcher and oshi because oshi became pregnant with their first child so then the two were married in jersey city Dirty Jersey, on January 13th, 1908. Sadly, the moment this baby was born, Caroline took the baby away because it was sick. That poor little girl. Then Caroline came a few days later to tell Oshi that her baby had died. And from what it seemed, poor Oshi didn't even get to hold her baby. Her mom, like, took it, right? Like... It's just so sad. Oh, man, so sad. And after this, Oshi and Fletcher were 
in New York with their moms and their Aunt Virginia. They lived with them, and from what I could see, Fletcher stayed there with Oshi for a short amount of time. I say this because Oshi became pregnant again with her and Fletcher's second child. But shortly into her pregnancy, Fletcher left for Canada, saying that he had better job opportunities there, that he would be able to support the family better if if he went there. And so he basically just left. I don't know. This This kind of seems like a pattern for him. He was either not a kid person or he still wasn't over the loss of their first daughter and another child and seeing Oshi pregnant could have maybe been too much for him. I don't know. I'm a half glass full kind of person. So I would like to think that he was not a total dickwad and left because he couldn't handle it. But, you know, there's always that chance that he's just a fucking dick. Anyway, a couple months after Fletcher left, Caroline came and told Oshi that Fletcher was dead and everything just went like completely downhill from there. Oshi was always scorned and treated horribly by her mother and aunts, but now she was pregnant, depressed, and they took their awfulness up like a hundred thousand notches, like way beyond, way beyond. During this second pregnancy, those women were just awful to Oshi, but they ended up hiring a doctor, and the doctor's name was Dr. William Pettit. Dr. Pettit looked after and tried to take care of Oshi, but her mom and aunts were disregarding his treatment plans, not cooperating with him, and eventually they just full-on stopped paying him, so he had to stop being her doctor. I mean, funny how that works, right? I mean, you need to get paid to do your job. I mean, who'd have thunk? But then the sisters hired another doctor. This doctor was an all-around saint. He would sneak food to Oshi because it was obvious she was being treated horribly and that she was malnourished. She needed food, especially because, I mean, she was eating for two people. She had a baby. She was pregnant. And he was trying to get her healthy and the unborn baby healthy. But this doctor, too, was fired because he was caught sneaking in to check on Oshi after her son David was born. Like the first child, David was ill and taken away by Caroline at once. It's just awful. He ended up surviving at least that at that point, but he was put into an orphanage. He was put into an orphanage without Oshi's knowledge. She was only told that he was in the hospital. And that doctor, the second one, ended up going to the police judges, just anyone, to see that he could to see if he could get help, but they told him there wasn't much they could do. So the sisters went back to Dr. Petit after Dr. Pettit after firing their second doctor. When Dr. Pettit went to visit Oshi, he noticed that she was in like a hypnotic, loopy state. The sisters wanted him to tell Oshi that she was dying and needed to make her will. Instead, Dr. Pettit got Oshi a nurse and tried to get a judge to take Oshi's care out of her aunt's and mom's hand. This nurse was gone after one day. 
I mean, what does it tell you about the treatment of Oshi that this nurse could not stay more than one day in the hell that Oshi had been experiencing basically her whole life? The nurse was gone, and then the sisters went to Dr. Pettit and tried to convince him and bribe him by saying that they would make him a beneficiary. But he was also a good guy that had morals, and he declined this offer. Which, I mean, it's really sad to say, but in my eyes that makes him a good person because there are some people out there that probably would have been like, you know what, beneficiary, money, I'll do it, I'll do it. I want money. I, I want to buy things. But he declined. And after this, Dr. Pettit went to the house in Brooklyn. This was, he planned on doing this before he went to the police. But there was no one there. And it looked like there was little furniture and that no one was living there anymore. Little did Pettit know that after he declined, the sisters went to a man named Julius Caraba. Julius was a New York attorney and Virginia tracked him down and said that someone in her family was dying and needed a will. He told the woman that, oh, she needed a doctor, needed food, she needed help. And not just a little, she needed serious medical intervention. But the sisters told Julius that they could not afford it. Julius told them that he would pay. The woman declined, kind of like that. Uh, no, are you sure? You, you don't have to pay. It's fine. No. Mm. Are you sure? That kind of thing. Until eventually they're like, oh, well, thank you. Because, I mean, f fucking money is money. And it's not like these women were going to be using it on Oshi's behalf anyway. They would just take it for themselves and put it with that insurance money that they would be getting if she died. So, you know. Once they left the room and Julius got a minute to talk to Oshi on her own, Oshi said that she was dying. She knew she was dying, and she, she was completely aware of her condition. I mean, the poor girl couldn't even get out of bed. She told Julius that she wanted her grandmother to get everything, and she wanted him to be the executor of her will. The sisters, again, once they found this out, tried to bribe Julius Caraba. They wanted him to disregard what Oshi wanted, but he would disagree with them and not do what they wanted, which... Like I said, good on these people for not just being like, money, 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 money. <laughs> but the sisters then fired him as their lawyer, which kind of makes sense. And the woman went with Oshi to East Orange, New Jersey in November of 1909. This home had barely any furniture. It had no heat. It barely looked lived in or, you know habitable anyway now we are going to go to november 29th 1909 dr herbert simmons was called on to look into a dead body that was found in a house in east orange new jersey he came to the scene to find virginia woodlaw all in black including a long black veil they probably did not know this at the time but this was kind of like the sister's thing they were called the Sisters in Black at the first school they worked at because of their attire. Anyway, Virginia was in all black, including a long veil. She was not reacting how one might think you'd react in this situation. And when she told Dr. Herbert Simmons where the body was, 
he went to take a look. When he came across the body, he saw a 24-year-old woman who was 80 pounds soaking wet, face down in a bathtub. Dr. Simmons asked Virginia why she waited 24 hours to report Oshi's death. Virginia said that Oshi asked not to be bothered, and she said there was no reason for her to go, like, there was no reason for her to go into that bathroom. He questioned this because the bathroom Oshi was found in was the only bathroom in the house. So why would there be no reason if that's the only bathroom? I mean, I know I have a small bladder, so I have to go to the bathroom all the time, but still, 24 hours? So as you would expect, this raised alarm bells for Dr. Simmons, and he got the police involved. While investigating, the police found a suicide note. I saw two different versions of it. One is, when you read this, I will have committed suicide. Do not grieve over me. Rejoice with me that death brings a blessed relief from pain and suffering greater than I can bear. And the second was, last year my little daughter died. Other near and dear kindred, too, have gone to heaven. I long to go there, too. I have been ill and weak a very long time now. Death will be a blessed relief to me in my sufferings. When you read this, I will have committed suicide. My sorrow and pain in this world are greater than I can endure. I saw both. Don't know which one it actually is, but they're super similar. So, you know, the first thing the police did was, well, at first they did believe that this could be a suicide. She was sick. She did lose her fam- like a lot of people in her family, and the woman could have gotten away with it if it wasn't for that darn toxicology. Just kidding. <laughs> I'm glad that these were discovered and that these women were found out. So what the toxicology found was that Oshi was being given morphine. That is why Dr. Pettit noted that she was in a hypnotic, loopy state, and basically just generally all around out of it. So police, you know, they're not they're not all idiots and they were able to put two and two together. And they looked more into this death because they're starting to be like, "Hmm. Hmm. Morphine? Let's take a look at this." And when they did, they came across some more interesting things. One thing was Fletcher not dead. He was alive and well. He just, you know, left Oshi, went to Canada, left his pregnant wife. They found him under a different name. Fletcher changed his name to John Lucas and was cooking at the New Murray Hotel in St. Catharines, Ontario, Canada. Since it's not illegal to be a garbage human, he was not arrested. And it was later determined that he didn't know anything about what happened to Oshi and investigators were confident that he did not play a role in her death. He gave one interview on the matter and then did what he did best. He disappeared like magic. They found that the suicide note was not written by Oshi and they figured this out because with Caroline's things while they were searching, they found a bunch of other letters that basically said the same thing as the suicide note in the bathroom. And surprise, surprise, 
The handwriting didn't match O.C., but it did match Caroline, her mom. And along with these rough draft and notes, because, you know, the notes need to be perfect. The, I mean, one of them probably had grammar that was wrong, misspelling, you know, like, you can't just have one option. You gotta have a couple and then go with the best. Like, what the fuck? And I just, why wouldn't you, like, burn that? I don't, I don't understand why you would just leave those notes just lying around your place for the police to find, but whatever. I'm glad they got caught. On top of that note, which was damning enough, they found multiple life insurance policies that were taken out on Oshi. Because Virginia found the body, and this was obviously a suspicious death, they put her in holding. They wanted more information because the situation was weird as fuck. I believe... That is the technical legal term, that this was weird as fuck. (laughs) So when they started getting more information and it was looking more and more like a death, they arrested Virginia and they wanted to get the rest of like her two sisters too, but they didn't know where they were. Virginia was the only sister that was found with Oshi and the only one that talked to investigators so far. So luckily, spies... These women were not. Mary Sneed was found at her mother's house taking care of her and living in the basement. Caroline was found in a hotel in New York. She was checked in under the name Miss Lighting. All of these women were arrested, but police believe that Caroline was the mastermind of this whole thing. And while awaiting trial, Virginia stopped eating. She would give her food to the rats And she sadly, I'll get into in a little bit why I say sadly, but she died in, I believe it was 1910. Yes, she died in 1910 while waiting for trial. They haven't fully determined to this day if it was suicide or illness that killed her. I think people just like to add to the air of mystery, but they're not 100% sure if she did this so that she would die or if she was ill. So then, it was two. Caroline's trial was first, and eventually she ended up taking a plea deal. She pleaded guilty on January 23rd, 1911, to the lesser sentence of manslaughter, and she received seven years in jail. She freaked out and made a huge scene because she thought her sentence was not going to be that long. She said that It was an accident, and they accidentally overdosed her on morphine, and the reason she was on morphine was because of postpartum depression after her second child was born and ill and had to be taken away to the hospital. They put her in the cold water because they hoped that it would revive her. So when she was sentenced to seven years, she screamed in the court, I do not deserve it, and had to be carried out of the courtroom. Hmm... Caroline, you don't deserve it. I don't think Oshi deserved it. Just, just a thought. But soon after going to jail and being sentenced, Caroline was placed in a mental institution. Just like Virginia, Caroline stopped eating and also ended up dying. Her arteries were clogged, but again, they didn't know if it was suicide or not. She died in 19, I believe it was 1911. Mary was acquitted. And this was on a technicality. Mary was acquitted 
because there isn't a sentence or law, at least at that time, for being an accomplice to manslaughter. So she packed up her and her son, moved to Colorado, eventually moved to California, where she died. Mary only spoke publicly once about this whole situation and her sisters. She said that Virginia was a saint on earth and Caroline was mentally ill and should have been in an institution long ago, but Virginia thought she could help her. So I know this case is crazy and there's a lot to digest, but I will say that I think there may be something to this mental illness thing. I mean, it seems like Caroline could have had some type of mental health issue. I'm not a psychiatrist or psychologist. I don't know what it was. But I do believe that if she was known to be erratic and unreliable and all of that since childhood, there really could have been something going on. And I know there's such thing as shared psychosis. Like I said, I'm not a psychiatrist or psychologist. I have no idea, but there is such thing as shared psychosis. And Virginia was seemingly fine and successful until Caroline came along. So, I mean, maybe? I I don't know. It's a possibility, at least. And... I think going back to that, one reason that Caroline might not have been institutionalized was because, well, maybe Virginia really did think that she could help her, but a prominent, well-known family, their child being mentally ill and needing to be in, in an institution would be a complete embarrassment. At the time, just like it was until pretty recently, mental illness was taboo, never spoken of, and not studied, so no one knew much about it. So it is a possibility. So um, I'm kind of torn because I hate what Caroline did and what these women did in general. They were horrible monsters to Oshi. They abused her psychologically, physically, and they drugged her. They were awful, but if there was mental illness and shared psychosis going on and they didn't receive the help that they needed, I I still blame them for what they did and they still killed Osi and were awful to her and terrible. But in a way, I feel like their culpability would be lessened in my mind because they were mentally ill and weren't getting treatments for it. So yeah, that was the wicked fucked up case of Oshi Sneed. So now, for the Friday's over. <laughs> so this week, I'm going to talk about a case in Pleasanton, and this is a rural Bay Area community. It saw little crime in 1984, but that all changed in April. In April 1984, 14-year-old Tina Fails it's F-A-E-L-Z, I don't know how to say it, I'm sorry, was walking home from school. She had been getting bullied by some girls on the bus, and she decided to walk home. She decided to walk home on this day because the girls threw rocks at her, and they were threatening her with violence. So she was like, hmm, maybe I'll walk and not deal with that, which I can't blame her at all. I would probably want to do the same thing but awfully sadly tragically that decision would cost 
Tina her life. It took decades for them to find who did this to her. In 2014, Stephen Carlson confessed and was arrested for the murder. He is now 52, but when he stabbed Tina and killed her, he was 16. He had also been being bullied, and that day, he was put into a dumpster and locked in it by people on the football team. He was angry. He was just angry at everyone and all the people that laughed at him. And he knew he was going to get in so much trouble because he had thrown a party at his house while his parents were gone. His parents were gone this day too, but he knew that they were going to be getting home. And when they were, he was going to be in for it. His father was going to be pissed. So this is when he noticed a girl, a.k.a. Tina, walking near his house. He grabbed a butcher knife and ended up killing her, which... What the fuck? Whose mind does that? I I can't, I can't even. But right now, he's in jail. There's still seemingly no motive to this, just blind rage. He was known in the neighborhood as Creepy Carlson because the person that did this was Steve Carlson, and she was found near his house. So the family had their suspicions, but... Once it was confirmed and he confessed, they were glad that it was finally over and that he, they finally knew for sure what happened. And they're just glad he's paying for what he did. So that was The Friday is Over. <laughs> Guys, thanks for joining me for another episode of Fight or Fright. I can't believe that I'm over 20 episodes now. Craziness. Thank you guys so much for listening. Again, please write and review on Apple iTunes, on Apple, on Apple Podcasts if you can. You can follow me on social media. You can find me on Instagram at Fight or Fright Pod. You can find me on Facebook at Fight or Fright Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Fight Fright Pod. You can find me on TikTok at Fight or Fright Pod. You can find me on, you can email me or send suggestions, your stories, anything to fightorfrightpod at gmail.com. Thanks again, guys. Join me next week for another episode. And remember, don't fight this fright. Bye, guys. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Fight or Fright. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Fight or Fright Pod and on Gmail at fightorfrightpod at gmail.com. Twitter is the only one that's a little bit different in there, and that's at Fight Fright Pod. And if you enjoyed this episode, I would really appreciate it, and it would really help me if you rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Even just spreading the word to family, friends, people you know that enjoy true crime, mysteries, paranormal, all of that kind of stuff. And this is Holland, and I'll see you next week when I tell you another crazy story. And remember, you don't have to fight this fright.